Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the I Think It's a Classic podcast. My name is Tannis Gale. I'm joined again by my co-host, John Brummer. John, how you doing out there today? I am tired. Tired as hell, yeah. You were just telling me you had quite the big weekend. Um, Where exactly yeah. were you at? I know you weren't at a, at a show, per se, so what, what were you up to that giving you the sleepy disposition? I, I uh, took the kid to milwaukee um to go see uh his a couple of his favorite uh youtubers um uh, it was opened up by curtis connor uh doing some comedy he was funny and then um the main part of it was danny gonzalez and drew gooden uh doing essentially a whole show put together with like sketches and videos and uh songs and and yeah it was it was fucking hilarious so i was very glad that we went it was um it, it was not some, something i would normally go to and even when he was like hey you should check out this youtuber which was about the 80th time that he had said that i was like oh i don't think this is going to be my thing and then i was like whoa this is my thing and uh i just i enjoy how silly and goofy these guys are and i i honestly think that they're gonna probably be a force to be reckoned with sometime soon in the future so right on yes highly enjoyable cool 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 i mm -hmm. uh i uh, did my homework finally i uh I, you will be so proud of me i spent my friday my day off um not only uh finishing up research for this episode but uh i finally finished the last seven episodes of breaking bad for some reason i dropped that <laughs> series like a bad habit like a few years back and everybody yeah. thinks I'm totally insane for dropping the show at the point that I did, and I am. But I yeah. finally finished it fuck? in preparation for El Camino to timestamp this uh this uh, episode a little bit because it's going to be released a couple months from when we're recording it. But uh, yeah, El yeah. Camino just came out this week, and so I finished Breaking Bad, and uh, I watched it with my girlfriend pretty much right after I finished it, and it was really nice to kind of have that all as one experience. The entire jesse pinkman story you know the whole closure of everything just right backed up to the end of the series so it was kind of nice not having to wait a few years so part of me's happy that i waited for so long but part of me feels like an idiot because i really missed out on some of the best tv ever created for a few years there <laughs> yeah uh whatever i'm what what are you gonna do right yeah i don't know i don't know I was just basically saying I didn't have quite a music-oriented weekend, like, and uh, sounds like neither of us did. No, no, this is, uh, like I said, this was more of a comedy thing than it was anything else. Yeah. Um, but um, before we get into today's album, I just want to give a huge shout-out to uh, everybody, all of our new listener listeners. I've been watching them numbers slowly get bigger, and I can't... Like, say thank you enough for everybody that's tuning into the show and enjoying what we put out. Um, whether you stop by for just the episodes you're familiar with or whether you're a weekly listener, I thank you very much. Me and John can't appreciate it enough. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate every single listen that we get. Yeah, and and I... we love you. And we would wish you would call us sometime and stop ignoring our text messages <laughs> yeah and i know we got some sad i know we got some friends out there that are doing some very 
much needed promotional work on our behalf um basically just in the word of mouth format but i i guys i thank you so much for that it's i've seen um in the last month and a half or so just the numbers go up a little more than they were for our first month and it's it's very satisfying to knowing to know we're creating something that um y'all are enjoying to a certain degree so thank you again yes. from the bottom of our yes thank you very much um yeah i just want to say thank you for sharing and keep sharing uh you know leave us a comments about what you like leave us comments about what you hate about the show too like yes, send we... us all the hate mail the more more interaction we have with you guys the better we can make these shows and uh the more stupid the hate mail is the more we know we're at least pissing someone off so <laughs> and making an good. impact and making an impact and you can leave those comments we have a facebook page just search for i think it's a classic you'll see our lovely little mugs on our awesomely uh, designed logo uh which was drawn by daniel rimbear at rimbear illustration and uh, we're also on twitter at at i-t-i-a-c pod so yeah it was a and also all the good things with classic were on... kind of taken by people with cars and <laughs> classical music and classic rock kind of Twitter pages. So I T I A C pod. I think it's a classic pod abbreviated. So, and don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes itself. Oh yeah. That's, that's super helpful. And I think yes. we've kind of plugged enough and asked enough of you, the audience besides just listening to our episode. So without any further ado, why don't we get into today's record? Uh, and since wait it's... a second, oh. hold on just a second. Okay. Wow. You said that we asked them for enough, but I need one more thing from the audience. <laughs> All right. If anyone could give me a dollar, they're going to take my thumbs if I don't get a dollar. Please help me out. I need a dollar. And um, if you'd like to contribute to my John's Thumbs Fund, please give me a dollar. <laughs> All right. We okay. Now we've actually asked enough of the audience. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. All right. Now I guess I'll lead us into uh, today's album since it was a, a pick of mine. Today we will be talking about, as you noticed by the episode title, Caven's uh, classic album Jupiter, which was released on August eighth in the year two thousand on Hydrahead Records and was produced by Brian McTiernan, a longtime collaborator of the Caven Boys. Um, this is an album that means a lot to me. It, um, it, it, it came out at a really huge musical turning point in my life. I'm sure we've, you've heard enough if you're a listener that uh, I used to be quite the new metal fan. <laughs> um, this is one of those albums that broke me out of that. This is something that uh, kind of blew me away when I first heard it, because the way I was first introduced to Caven was actually uh, by... It was in your van, so it must have been your copy of Beyond Hypothermia. But I remember uh, outside of a youth dynamic show hearing Caven in your van one time when we were all hanging out smoking cigarettes. Yeah, because we were bad kids. Yeah. And I remember specifically it was the song uh, Mitigate. And that was the first song I remember hearing by Caven that made me go, oh, wait, 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 what is this? This is, like, so heavy, yet so melodic, and the guy's screaming his head off, but then he's also singing, and, like, ah, it just, it made me want more. And then, uh, I remember not too long after that, 
you guys let me know, hey, Caven's coming to Seattle. And uh, they were on tour for Jupiter. And so I excitedly uh, convinced my mother to let me travel to the city with y'all. And I remember <laughs> we saw Caven at the Paradox Theater. Um, Kill Sadie opened up along with Thrones. I was really tired, so I fell asleep during Kill Sadie. I don't know how. But, um, and I also remember Thrones. Um, me and Mike Sosi thought there was a, it was a drunk guy that just got up on stage with a bass and started fucking around and making cool noises. <laughs> and I think I might have told that story on this yeah, podcast before. It sounds, <laughs> sounds familiar, but it might yeah. have actually been the last episode that, that aired. <laughs> Could have been. Um, Could be. I don't remember. I don't remember how that's going to fit into the, the way that things are flowing right now. So I don't remember what episode it was, but it was something that probably people will have forgotten by the time that this one actually gets <laughs> yeah. posted. It's, so whatever. It's not an important detail. I'm just doing this to make fun of you. <laughs> but I remember at that show, um, I got myself a cave-in shirt, a copy of Beyond Hypothermia, and the purple digipack copy of this album, Jupiter. And I, it's one of those shows for me that I remember so like it was a kind of good trauma that was impressed on my brain. Like I remember so much of that Seattle paradox show that it's insane. Like to when I hear the album, there's points where I remember, Oh yeah, this is when they took those weird toy laser guns and were firing them off by their pickups to make it sound like really cool, weird guitar noises. <laughs> and then I remember they closed with luminance and uh, they teased juggernaut for about two seconds and made everybody go ape shit, but then didn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh one thing that i remember the most from the show because i i some some we i've been to so many shows that there are there's a lot of like blank spots in my head you know like i'm like i know i was there and uh, i especially during this time i was sober for pretty much every show that we went to usually because i was driving right right um but the one thing I definitely remember is being, we were like right up front and they were all just like headbanging so hard, like in, in unison when they were playing big riff. And I just thought that that was such a cool image. Yeah, that was, yeah. And I, wasn't that, didn't they start the set with that song or did they start with Jupiter? Uh, you, I, I don't think they started with big riff. Um, just because I remember I had to wait a few songs to hear it. They most likely started with Jupiter, but I cannot say for sure. Cause like I just said, um, that was like a thousand shows ago. So, right. Right. Yeah. You know, eventually my brain just like stops retaining things. I gotcha. Yeah. I, I feel you. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like there's, but there's part of me that thinks that I want to think that they, started with big riff because they got the scream out i remember them getting the scream out really early so maybe it was the second song or maybe they did the first three songs of the album in order i don't know like i, I say i, I remember this show so well but not the order of songs apparently <laughs> yeah I, I i i'm sure we could have looked this up um, um but i want to say that big riff was like at least third or fourth into the set it's it's hard pressed to find anything on that show. I've tried to find it before, and the only thing that I found is um, on Sonic Deathwall. Shout out to the fan group Sonic Deathwall on Facebook, the most positive and rad group of people that I've ever met in any fandom ever. Um, somebody actually shared, or people 
they are so the people at Sonic Deathwall are so into Caven in such a positive way. They like find random sit shit. They go on scavenger hunts trying to find old pics from shows. And this dude hey. found some other guy's like old photo bucket or something like that that had some Caven pictures in it, and they were from the Paradox show. It was kind of blew my mind. Like, oh wow, yeah, yeah. So and then uh. Oh, now I can't remember the date. I'm going to have a hard time looking that up on the fly here, so I won't. But, um, yeah, I was able to figure out the date from there, and god damn it, now I can't remember it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you did already say it, I think. What, Maybe the, you didn't. The date, no, not the date of the show. No, I think you said the date of the album, and I'm just absolutely being dumb right now. No, you're tired. I'll give you that. You're not being dumb right now. I'll give you a little uh, leeway this time. <laughs> yeah. But I'm um, John. Um, and I've... also, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say the other thing that that doesn't help me remember this specific show is that I saw them like four other times or something like that. Yeah, that was the one and only time I've seen one of my top five favorite bands. But that will be changing next November. I got tickets to go see Caven for me and Candy and Zach, and uh, we are looking forward to it big time. Rector. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I bought a third ticket, and I was like, all right, fucker, no excuses. I'm buying this three months in advance. You need to figure out how to get the next day off. <laughs> Burbank's going to the show. You have a ride with him. No excuses. <laughs> like, yeah. get out of the house and don't regret not going to this. Wow, I, I can't believe that that was the only time you saw them. Yeah, I don't know what... I mean, right after... I never saw... I was never allowed to go to shows before that. That was my first big city show ever. The uh, oh. first out-of-town show I went to was The Locust up in Bellingham, and that was the first show in Seattle I ever went to. Haven. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... um, I, uh... And then after that, they kind of... um, You know, they got signed to RCA, so I think they were doing more of like a festival circuit and a bigger tour, and that was also around the time that... I really kind of bottomed out in life and really wasn't taking care of myself, so I wouldn't have had no money to go see Haven anyway. Oh. Well, I, I know that I saw them on the Until Your Heart Stops tour. I saw them on this tour, that one show that you were talking about, and I swear I saw them at least one more time, and I could have swore it was with Isis. How did you find out about Caven? Was this a band that uh, our buddy Phil introduced you to? Yeah, I think uh, actually he had heard of them through our friend Brayden. And uh, they were all into a lot of the East Coast stuff, Converge, uh, some of the more like, you know, more New York hardcore like H2O and Madball and stuff like that. But uh, I think that being into, you know, H2O and Madball and whatever else was up there. Oh, God, there was there's one band that's escaping me, but they were like the king of the, you know, the blah, blah, oh, blah, uh... blah. 25 to life yeah 25 to life <laughs> so 25 to life um madball h2o all those bands that because they were into them then that got them like you know to go a little southern into boston um converge was something that they were into that's how we started getting into D dillinger escape plan um and then you know of course caven Right, and for those not in the know, those kind of, those bands kind of added a completely, I don't know, it seems like now maybe they're getting a little more credit for the work they did and how much it influenced metal, but they came from a scene of just chugga-chugga broke or love it or hate it. I mean, very, very simplistic and heavy-ass music, and they 
really added a, like, especially bands like Converge and the Dillinger Escape Plan, adding a real layer of art and complication to a, a genre that really was almost devoid of any of that. Yeah, and and that's why I think that, you know, I I personally fell in love with it so much. Um, and And this is actually, honestly, one of the things that was it became such so controversial about Caven, and especially with me was they put out probably the greatest like it's like it's i i can't call it metalcore i can't call it thrash it's it's something that that borrows from both but is better than pretty much 99 percent of the bands that did both genres um and that was until your heart stops and then after almost directly that well the next full-length album after that was this one right and with the creative eclipses ep in between but even that was a shock yeah and so this this album wasn't as big in my life because i think i'm still upset about the fact that they were taking metal in such crazy directions and then they were just like fuck it we want to we want to be the next Radiohead or whatever and it's not to say that this is a bad album because it's not. It's just I've always had a hard time with this album because of that. And I don't think I actually listened to the full thing until we started doing the, the preparations for this, this episode. Wow, that's just crazy to me. So I remember you had yeah. it in your van and you just basically I mean, must have had it in there for I need to hear Big Riff. I know. Well, no, because I I know that I I had a mix CD that had Jupiter and Big Riff on it. If it was in my van, it was because it was Phil's copy. Oh, and you know what? You I had that I... Jupiter sticker on your back car, and maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that I listened to the whole thing maybe a couple of times, but it I think at that time it was so jarring to go from until your heart stops to this that it just never fully um, took hold with me. And maybe that's why I had an easier time with it, because the first Caven song that I heard, until I heard Creative Eclipses, that was the next thing that I heard. Oh shit, I bought Creative Eclipses at that show as well. That's right. Oh. Um, but uh, I, I guess I wasn't as shocked, because Mitigate does have that kind of melodic clean vocal style in it way more than anything else they did just just in that yeah. song particularly and um then i heard creative eclipses which is no metal whatsoever so when jupiter came out i was like oh yeah i guess this band like did a metal album and they have their old hardcore compilation of their seven inches or whatever which is what behind beyond hypothermia is but yeah i guess i i guess that's why it wasn't a shock to me because i heard steve brodsky singing clean the first time i heard gave well, and, and it's not like there isn't Steven Brodsky singing clean on Until Your Heart Sobs. It's just, it's Barely still, there. this is still, yeah, this is still a huge departure from how crazy, chaotic, heavy, and and awesome Until Your Heart Stops was. And um, like I said, it it just, I don't know, it, it never stuck with me the way that that album did. I feel you. I feel you. Well, I think we've said enough in preparation and how we got into Cave-In and our own little separate stories and feelings about getting into this album. Um, you ready to just jump right in here, John? Yes. All right. 
Um, let's kick it off right here and hear a little bit of the title track, Jupiter, to start the album. Talk about power pop perfection. I love this track a lot. And you said it was on a mix that you had a couple of Jupiter songs on. So I'm guessing you really like this song as well? Yeah, this this and, uh, well, we've already mentioned it, but the, the these ones were the ones that definitely had the biggest hold on me. Right. Um, I, uh, I don't know why, you know, I didn't just have the whole thing and I didn't, just but for whatever reason this song is very catchy uh it 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 seemed to you know get a big hold on me i really liked it uh i threw you know this is the days of napster and whatever so i was making mix cds and uh this one and the other one got thrown on there that was also kind of at the time where i i mean i never felt comfortable like my other friends just you know ripping a whole album i just wanted bits and pieces uh, and then I'd go buy the album if I liked the songs enough. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's what happened. And obviously, like I said before this, it didn't grab a hold of me uh, in the same way as it did everyone else. So I never bought the whole thing. But I do love this song. It's a great pop song. Yeah. It's just like the perfect start to the album. And I, I just, I mean, the four of these dudes, um, Stephen Brodsky, Adam McGrath, Caleb Schofield, rest in peace, buddy, and uh, John Robert Commoners. Like, I just, they're uh, just the full dynamic capabilities of, of this band are just totally on show right here. And uh, to take another shot, all you faithful listeners, I would say this song's quite the mission statement. Yeah, this definitely packs a punch, and, and it. I mean, they might as well have just, you know, started just yelling, hey, guys, we're doing something different. We're not we're not going to do what you wanted us to, you know. <laughs> and here's a little bendy to just get that through to you. Yeah, <laughs> I always love yeah. that bending it bendy at the beginning of the song, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just yeah, it's really cool. You can very much hear the failure by way of rush influence that they really tapped into on this album big time just right off oh. right out the gate here well and you know this is definitely probably my first introduction to uh what we call space rock <sighs> fucking space rock i hate that fucking term yeah i know <laughs> i know you do i mean it's like i like i don't know there's got to be a better name for it. Yeah, but there isn't. So let's continue on this space rock of an album. What about meteor metal? Meteor metal. <laughs> but that that just sounds like, you know, this is, <laughs> it sounds like the title of a cattle decapitation album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like meteor that, that metal. Actually, <laughs> no, that, I think that would be a good album for a steel or good name for a steel panther album. <laughs> meteor metal. There's more meat. <laughs> oh, good um, lord! Fucking space rock. 
I mean, I get it, but I also hate it. It it, it is called Jupiter. Yeah. You know, they 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 kind of did this to themselves, even though this wasn't my first introduction to space rock, because I listen to only space rock. <laughs> well, that and like as I was saying earlier about their live show on this tour, and I think you can hear it in Decay of the Delay a little bit. Um, them using those weird, um, I mean, all you kids from the 90s, and I mean, like, growing up in the 90s, not born in the 90s, um, you you have to remember those weird ray guns. You would pull the trigger, and they would make a different noise every time, and then at the end of all the noises, it would just do a, all the noises in a row. Do you know what I'm talking about, John? Of course, I was yeah. there. I do remember them playing with toys while they were playing their guitars, and it it does make a cool noise. They they kind of have something similar in this song. I think they, again, I can't remember exactly, but I I was under the impression that they were using those during this song too, but I could be wrong. They 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 do they fiddle a lot with uh, delays and and pitch bending. Um, and that is pretty much what has become known as the classic Caven sound. That even even Kurt Ballou, uh, when he uh, am I pronouncing that right? I don't think I've ever heard his name said. I think it's spelled. I think it's pronounced like Balu, like the bear from the jungle. Oh, okay. I mean, so kind of like what I said, Balu or Balu. Balu yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Either um, one. John Jones, actually, same thing. Rumor brummer. <laughs> he. Shut up. <laughs> he is uh he has expressed how it's kind of an you know that that whatever pedal it is that Brodsky uses during this album has been like the biggest bane on him trying to recreate it for every band he records that comes in and goes, We want the cave in sound. So <laughs> yeah. Well nowadays I believe there's a Varellan amplifier for that. Is there? <laughs> I don't know. I just know that uh, Varellan Amplifiers makes a lot of custom amplifiers for people like Nate Newton and Aaron Turner. And, of course, uh, Ben Varellan from Helmsley is making himself, you know. And, but he makes oh, these yeah. really cool custom amplifiers that they also market with, uh, hey, this is what Nate Newton uses. This is what Kurt Ballou uses, you know, like, for this type yeah. of sound, which is really cool for, you know, musical laymen who you know, can't read a bunch of <laughs> electrician type of stuff on the back of an amp and be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what I was looking for. 10,000 hertz on the double volt bulb. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot easier to be like, yeah, Brodsky uses this. Exactly. I will go for it. I think it's a pretty fucking cool marketing technique. And Verlin amplifiers, go buy them. We're not sponsored by them, but I know for a fact they, they make all those things with care and they're high-quality products. Support and I know Washington for a business. fact, I know for a fact that if they did know who we were, they would sponsor. Yeah, you hear that? Because they love us. You hear that, Ben Varellen? You hear that? Yeah. Remember that one time I met you at Capitol Hill Block Party, and I got a flyer, and I just wanted to meet you, and you tried to talk to me about stuff, but I didn't know shit about shit, so I just kind of walked away. I'm that guy. <laughs> that was embarrassing. You know, usually. Usually when I uh, when I talk to people that I admire or people that are in bands that I like, usually they're the ones trying to find a way to get away from me. 
I'm just like, oh, what do you what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And they're like, you know, if I don't eat now, I probably won't for the rest of the night. So I'm going to stop talking to your dumb ass. <laughs> well, and then they walk off. I wanted to tell them that Shake Harder Boy was one of my favorite, like, hardcore metal albums of all time. And as I was starting to talk to him, I realized, oh, he's trying to run a business here. He's at fucking work. Like, I don't need to fanboy out on this guy while he's trying to sell amps. Like, what the fuck? No, time to go, Tannis. <laughs> You don't know anything. Yeah. Don't let him give you a sales pitch that you have no fucking intention of, uh, you know, taking him up on. <laughs> Waste of his time. If you respect this man, just go away. <laughs> uh, All right. So uh, yeah. let's continue on down the road <laughs> and keep our eyes on it. And hear a little bit yes. of in the stream of Kamir. I did a good job of uh, picking the part of the song where he said the title there. <laughs> but um, well, I, I really like this good song. Good job. I think it's a, a great transition. It keeps the album going, even though it just slows it down just a little bit before the next track. Lulls you into a sense of comfort and chillness and positivity. Only for the next track to really rip it down almost. But um, I really like In the Stream of Commerce. I, figured, I thought it was a clever... Uh, like, the, as far as the lyrics go, a kind of a clever meditation on trying to create art that's kind of commercially viable, but not trying to lose sight of your integrity, in a way. I don't know, did you get that from it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty much in the, the title of the song. I mean, it has the same kind of feel as Black Flag lyric. Uh, swimming in the mainstream or living in the mainstream is such a lame dream or something like that. Um, but you know, I, I think every band that felt some, you know, that had some sort of popularity or was, you know, facing, uh, you know, having to, you know, or facing going into the mainstream. Um, they had fears like this, and and I mean, it, especially with a band like this, it was you know not unheard of for it to be fairly controversial, and they kind of got their asses handed to them because of that. Yeah. Um, the only way that a band really, you know, if they if they make that jump up to the majors, they have to be able to gain new fans because there's always the risk of them losing a lot of the old fans who didn't like the, the change that they made. Right. Um, and I don't think they ever, unfortunately, got that fan base. And so that's what resulted with them getting dropped from RCA. I think after only, what, one album? Oh, yeah, it was only one album and a live EP. Um, but, I mean, that was also when the music industry was collapsing. It was right as the bubble was bursting. Um it was they, the music industry was just trying really hard to grab whatever scraps they could from the underground because new metal and rap metal died such a fiery, fast death. Everybody had to scramble to kind of keep their jobs at the labels, I feel like. And that's why you got stuff like the Blood Brothers and Caven getting signed to major labels. Yeah, and it's a little different, too, because the last time that that happened where they were really signing just anything 
um, that was because of Nirvana exploding and um, and then shortly after that, Green Day exploding and the offspring exploding and Rancid exploding. And you had a huge wave of um, people uh, signing bands because um, because they're attached know, to a particular movement or scene in some certain way. So Green, exactly. Day, Green Day gets and, huge, and, it and it's viable. like, these guys have purple hair and mohawks? Sign them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, with a little more discretion than that, but, yeah. It was very much just a, a grab at what you can. And I think this it's... This is I think different, it's... though, because they were looking for the next big thing and hoping to have something that was going to uh, save them, you know, especially in the... Uh, the time of streaming becoming or is uh illegal downloading becoming popular right well shit um i don't know i don't have much else to say about in the stream of commerce um oh except for the whole line where he's like oh, keep your eyes on the road always reminds me of the car radio scene from basketball where he's like oh yeah where all the bad <laughs> things happen to him and then the radio starts uh talking to him like really specifically about all the events of the movies and then all of a sudden it just goes into what's happening to him at, to him, to him at the moment. It's all, look exactly. out ahead, there's a truck changing lanes, and you got some little crumbs on your upper lip, and the warts on your dick aren't gonna go away, unless you use topical cream every day. <laughs> I remember that that was probably one of the best things about being in high school with you was that movie and us quoting it incessantly. Yeah, I'm sure we annoyed a lot of people around us, but boy, did we have some laughs. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's get moving on to the next song before we get off track again. And uh, I'm going to kick this one off right from the beginning. Let me cue it up, and we're going to hear a little bit of one of our favorite songs, Big Rip. Hey John, is is this song perfect? I would say that this is probably one of the most perfect songs I've ever heard. This is definitely my favorite song by Kaven. Um, and this song, no matter no matter what, even if I would have hated the rest of the album, and like I said, you know, it again wasn't a huge thing for me, even though I didn't hate the rest of the album. Um, this song right here is it for me when it comes to great songs for it's just there it's their their mountain this is their their Everest. In their everest yes <laughs> and it's about as heavy as everest too <laughs> yeah it, it it really is for a song that contains mostly con clean melodic vocals it is absolutely crushing and the lyrics are super heavy um I feel like they deal with some themes of uh, kind of parental detachment and uh, not knowing what the future holds for you and um, realizing some of the evil people in your life are just evil people. They're just another coat of red in hell. Exactly. Although, I have to admit, for the longest time when the screaming comes in, 
I, for some reason, thought that he was saying, like, your last chance was gone. And then I, I, I couldn't tell what else he said. But <laughs> I, I, I was very disappointed to finally read the lyrics and be like, oh, that's not even close to what they were actually saying. <laughs> yeah, this song also contains my one of my favorite guitar, top three favorite guitar solos of all time. Like, the, the, the guitar solo that ends this song is just so goddamn epic and perfect, and I, 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 I love it so, so much. I, it just yeah. fits so well, and it's, oh, it's almost, like, playful and bright in a just dark sea of fire. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the actual structure of the song, or at least that, that those uh, kind of, not quite solos, but definitely like leads, kind of solos, whatever. You know, there, there was a lot of that going on in that time. Um, but it really reminds me of uh, Luau by Drive Like Jehu. Okay. Um, the just the the different kind of things that you can do with a guitar that isn't just a solely ripping lead. You know, and and in fact, I think. I mean, there's times when I actually start to hate just, you know, the guitarist going, look what I can do. I learned these scales and look how fast I can play them. Yeah, um, right. Because it just doesn't feel like, you know, there's any kind of emotion in it. Like one of the things that uh, I I had to just roll my eyes at, um, there was something with uh, Mike Portnoy. Uh, I can't remember what group he was playing with, but they did a, comfort, a cover of Comfortably Numb. That was actually pretty good, and Portnoy was singing it. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? He's the Dream Theater drummer, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, he's singing it, and it actually sounds really good until it gets to the end. And the the reason why the comfortably numb guitar solo was so good was it was literally just you know emotion bleeding out of you know Gilmore's fingers. Um, and the guy who's playing it in this video is just all he's doing is I don't need any fucking tweedle deedledees yeah. in my fucking probably numb solo. <laughs> um, I also don't need any tweedle deedledees in my big riff solos either. And that's to me is you know definitely one of the things I love most about the song. Yeah, there's definitely some restraint going on on that guitar solo where it could have... And these guys are talented enough to do that. Either guitar player, Stephen Brodsky or Adam McGrath, they really could have just shredded that and made it like a... Like, they could have just really hammed it up and showed off, but no. No, they choose. They chose to kind of do what David Gilmore did, uh, like you were saying, uncomfortably numb, and you really feel the emotion pouring out through the fingers in that guitar solo. At least for me, exactly. that's how I take it. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree 100%. Awesome. Twice. I think I did, Tam. <laughs> you know, if you would stop stepping on my points, maybe, maybe we'd have a million downloads by now. <laughs> Are you kidding? Me stepping on your points is what's got us the listeners we have. <laughs> I I know I, I have you heard I this just... podcast? John's wrong a lot on it. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's just nothing but people who hate me listening to it. <laughs> ah shit, man. Well, yeah, I just honestly think this song is perfect. Like literally everything about it, and I honestly think there isn't a single flaw. Um, do you have anything else to say about Big Riff? Nope. Perfect song. Love it. 
uh well i never realized that it was seven minutes before oh yeah um, second longest song on the album uh besides requiem i said second oh i thought you said it's like the longest song on the album no no second oh okay yeah but uh, anyway yeah, yeah it, it's amazing yeah. how it doesn't feel that way it feels like a three and a half minute long song and it's twice yeah, that like <laughs> it's a breeze exactly well shit without any uh, further ado let's jump right in to the next track and hear a little bit of innuendo and out the other you mean we're gonna jump innuendo and out the other i'll jump innuendo and in your mother <laughs> I'm really sorry, oh, Liz. Please, please don't send me any mean <laughs> messages. I'm really sorry. You should hear the things he says about my mom. All right. <laughs> All right. Innuendo and out the other week. Um, I think it's a, this song, I really enjoy it. It's just a really cool, untraditionally structured pop song. Yeah, it's really pretty. Yeah, it fits well in the album and um, has some really cool, like, it's, it, like, the cool, like, guitar build-up scale that repeats itself and builds and builds and eventually kind of explodes at the end of the song is such restrained epicness. I don't really have a word for it. <laughs> yeah just uh, and I, I, I just love the drumming and how everybody sounds so together as this song builds to its crescendo and Stephen Brodsky's falsetto is just pretty goddamn uh, pretty <laughs> I, don't, I, really, I really like this song I really like it's not the most exciting song on the album but it's fucking quality track yeah it's, it's a quality song very pretty very uh easy to listen to it's a good song and it's kind of a little bit of an inspirational one like like him he's kind of speaking to the listener and maybe to himself a little bit but the whole uh there's something wrong when all the efforts you have made are hiding in your room you know and i always took that as like creative motherfuckers get out there and show what you can do to the world like a pretty positive message yeah exactly and yeah i just i just really like this song i don't have a lot to meditate uh on it you know i just i just really enjoy it and it has some uh great imagery going on in the lyrics and just real quality brodsky shit you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 a good time hell yeah um, so that's probably the shortest we're going to talk about a song on this album. Do you have anything else to say about Innuendo and Out the Other? Because I, I, I kind of don't. I, I just, I really like it. And it's it's yeah. solid. It fits well in the album, and I have nothing negative to say about it at all. No, it's a good song. That's a good song. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's just keep right on trucking along and uh, hear a little bit of track five from Jupiter. And uh, this is Brain Candle.
Wow, this song really comes out of nowhere on this album. I mean, everything up to this point besides the first song... I mean, the first song's at 3.17, so it's not very long, but the last three songs, uh, with the exception of In the Stream of Commerce at five and a half minutes, are all over six minutes long. And then all of a sudden, yeah. we, in the middle of the album, there's just this really quick and kick-ass pop song that um, kind of just really shows the failure influence that Kaven had kind of showed off on their last EP, Creative Eclipses, with their cover of Failures Magnified and the song Luminance. Um, it's almost like the Brain Candle could have fit on the Creative Eclipses EP and not been out of place whatsoever. No, I, I think that uh, this definitely sounds like it was written to help try to help them break more into mainstream radio. Mm -hmm. um, it, it has that kind of quality of it, but it also doesn't sound like a generic, uh, you know, pop rock song that would have come out in that time it definitely doesn't you know fit the mold with and and this is possibly why they they had a hard time really breaking through is because you know when they finally did sign to a major this was kind of more where they they explored where it had enough you know catchiness to it um to bring listeners in but i i, I don't know it didn't still it didn't fit the the same mold as the um uh the other mainstream stuff i guess the closest i could think of to describe this would be like foo fighters mixed with radiohead which is uh, what they were getting a lot of comparisons to in that time anyway yeah i can i can i can kind of hear that i mean if we're gonna you know throw those those lazy journalist comparisons which i do all the time um <laughs> yeah. out there yeah yeah totally I, I i feel what you're saying well i mean to be fair everything that i read about them um every article because they they had a few um for some reason i was still reading spin around the time that this album came out and i i think it's because i got like a free uh a subscription or something so i was just like well fuck it it's coming in the mail might as well read it before i throw it away well, and that was before the big emo explosion, and that magazine really got unbearable, you know? They would still have quality articles with, you know, decent bands, along with all the, the poppy shit that they felt like covering. Uh, Which is why I, something like Caven would be in there. I guess. It's kind of like Revolver. It's like, oh, cool. Here's, here's a little article on Neurosis, and you turn the page, and an interview with David Draymond from Disturbed. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, but the quality dips um, so hard in the page turn. <laughs> but I, I remember there was a little blurb about Cave In in there, and they were talking about, you know, uh, essentially how they were the trying to be like America's Radiohead or something like that, which, which it was all lazy journalism. But uh, I think Stephen Brodsky said there's something along the lines of, yeah, we uh, really appreciate everything Radiohead does, but I don't think we're trying to be them in any way. Yeah. I mean, I I, I get the lazy comparison because it's like, if the Foo Fighters were more arty, you know? That's exactly. kind of what that translates to. <laughs> but they also, um, right around the time that they, um, when they did sign with RCA, they were very, you know, glowing about getting to open up with, uh, for the Foo Fighters. And they did kind of like in the the press junket for that, they essentially did kind of admit that that was the kind of sound that they were heading or going towards. Even though they they never they definitely think, I mean I guess maybe it's a good thing that they got dropped from RCA because it prevented them from 
growing more and more into what the Foo Fighters eventually became, which was like the cooler Nickelback. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. <laughs> well, I mean, I nothing is ever going to be as good as uh, the color and the shape and and the first Foo Fighters album. I will admit that there have been songs here and there, and I still admire the fuck out of Dave Grawl. I would um, say everything up to one. I mean, including one by one, is I really still like like the, the album after yeah. Color in the Shape with Learning to Fly and shit. I bought that and I really yeah. liked it. I still. Yeah, I could I could see myself throwing that on if I ever feel like listening to the Foo Fighters again. That would be one of the albums that uh, I'd yeah. definitely put on. I mean, I've kind yeah, of like exactly. hit my limit with that band. They were one of my favorite bands for, you know, most of high school and middle school. I had a big, I had the big uh, Foo Fighters um, Color in the Shape poster that was like four, divided into four squares of the band's shots, but it was all from the Monkey Wrench video. That was like my favorite oh, goddamn yeah. poster in the world, man. <laughs> well anything else to say about brain candle nope i think i've said everything i need to say okay all right so let's move on to the longest track on the album and uh why don't we sample a little bit of requiem So Requiem is a pretty good, I feel it's a pretty good exercise in lengthy songwriting, but it just drags a, a tad bit for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, there there could have been some fat trimmed on this one. Well, and I uh, almost feel like there's so many movements in this song that they could have drug out a few of the pieces and made some complete songs out of them. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, take some of the, um, the stronger movements and turn them into individual tracks, but... It's possible that it's just for the fact that I am a total contrarian when it comes to how I deal with other people. But uh, when I hear people say, oh, I can't listen to this band. Their songs are too long. I I mean, it's uh, an eye roll and uh, dude, grow some fucking patience. But to be honest, when a band comes on with a 10, 12 minute song, when I'm flipping, you know, like especially driving, I think I might have mentioned this before. I I don't always listen to the longest songs. I'll usually just skip right past them. No, I feel you. Unless... They're usually long for a reason because not everything is station to station, you know, where it's kick ass exactly. the whole time and it's eight minutes or whatever. But yeah, you know, there's a lot of down parts and I don't know. And and I don't. I feel bad criticizing anything this band does, not out of a not of, out of some weird fanboy defensiveness for them, but just because these guys are super talented, they are great songwriters, and if they liked writing this, I don't want to shit on them because I don't think it's bad. It's just it's just my least favorite part of the album, I guess. Yeah, well, I don't think you're shitting on them, and and you're right. They are all completely and totally talented. And I, I, you know, I'm kind of getting a little con self-conscious uh, that um, what I said in the beginning is going to be taken as me, like, highly criticizing them. And I wasn't. It just uh, this album didn't hit me as much as it did 
other you or other people we hung out with right and you know to be honest i i I don't know why you know yeah i don't know why either i mean all the all the the all the parts add up to something that john would really 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 like i'm just i'm honestly surprised you're not into this album really that much at all i mean you enjoy it you like it you think it's quality but yeah i am kind of shocked that it's that you it's didn't really give it much of a chance until now. Almost. Yeah, it it just one that I didn't become obsessed with. Uh, yeah, I, I I I tried to you know pass off the the reason you know being that I I was expecting you know another heavy album as a viable excuse, but it really isn't. But I also you know I do get tired of the bands that are like if we don't keep progressing. Uh, we're we're never gonna be that good. It, there is sometimes when that really works, but then there's sometimes where it works against the band, okay, um, and, and not for the good. Sometimes you know it can be the best thing, but you know also Slayer wasn't awesome because they eventually became some German electronic band. You know <laughs> they they were awesome. They kind of did you know, for one like, album. Uh, what. We don't talk about that fucking album, right? <laughs> it's weird because it's like that... right before their best one. It's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't think that they even play any songs from it. Yeah. If I'm Dia- We're both talking about Diabolus in music, all right? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, there was one time I was at a bar and someone was playing something from Diabolus in Musica. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> this sounds like, it sounds like Slayer. If someone like, like, I don't know. They, it, it's, it's like, I, I don't even know. <laughs> it was like they heard that. It's like, hey, you know that shitty album that uh, Danzig did, just did, Black Acid Devil? Let's do that. Let's do our version of that. That didn't work. Let's try that. Yeah. Let's let's put some Hey, Tom, can you rap a little bit and very badly? Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Do that. I would say the only good thing that came out of that period of Slayer is um the song with no remorse, I want to die, which they did with Atari Teenage Riot, which is on the Spawn soundtrack. And I uh... I still love that song. It it just tears those Atari Teenage Riot breakbeats going along with like a super staticky Slayer Slayer riff, and Tom Araya just screaming like he's screaming through a bullhorn. It's it's pretty fucking badass. It's, I I it's think I've heard. That. I oh. think I've heard that, and I'm pretty sure that that was there was a moment where I was like, oh, I've heard about this Atari Teenage Riot. This probably is gonna be awesome. And then I listened to other Atari Teenage Riot, and I was like, oh, no, this is awful. <laughs> you don't like any of that? You never liked any of that? No, I, I thought I thought the idea of having drum and bass, uh, you know, backbeats mixed with that kind of like trying to be hardcore kind of stuff, it just didn't work for me. <laughs> I still love the Atari Teenage Riot song, Rage. Song kicks no, ass. I mean, <laughs> it was on the. Uh, I don't know. Buddy had put it on their Buddy had DVD, the Punk is Dead DVD. Yeah, I. Badass. I don't know. I I just for whatever reason they never appealed to me. Yeah, you were besides Nine Inch Nails, you were really never much of an electronic music dude when you were younger, right? Like not. No, I'm definitely more into electronic music. Than I was back then. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But um. 
before we start talking about uh, industrial bands from the 90s anymore, KMFDM, anyone? Should we move on from Requiem? Yeah, let's go on to... Decay of the Delay. And uh, yeah, we'll hear a little bit of that. Now this damn song is the perfect frickin' prologue to the closer. This is one of those like perfect second to last songs for me, kind of right up there with Resound on Neurosis's A Sun That Never Sets. I don't know, it's just this is just such an awesome track. It's really spacey and glittery sounding, and to me it just kinda sounds like the soundtrack to the most beautiful planet in the universe exploding. Yeah, it, it's got a lot of nice sounds to it. And you're right. This is a good prologue to the end of the album. I always do kind of like those little like uh, uh, lead ups to the last song. Um, they uh, do it really well. Uh, Nine Inch Nails did it really well with the left side of the, the fragile. Right. Um, going into the last track on that. And so in that tradition, I, I think that, you know, this is also a great lead into that last track. Um, and this is kind of yeah. where they're, it seems like they're having a lot of fun on this track. There's a lot of weird noise shit going on. Some of the kind of toy against the guitar stuff happening along with really weird delay. And uh, it just, oh, the song is fantastic. And isn't, yeah. isn't, aren't decay and delay like both? Like you're you're more of the musician in this podcast as far as our we go. Decay and delay, like those are both like musical like effects pedal terms, I should say. Well yeah, that I mean it it's it's a play on the amount of uh delay that they're using in the um in the song. Right. It, I mean that's really what it is, is you know, it's a song with a lot of delay a lot of delay effects, a lot of delay pedals, that's where they're using the the little ray guns. And decay, it, that refers to like when the uh, um, the reverb trails off, or when the delay or the uh, the delay ends. Right. Um. So yeah, that that's it's just you know it's Stephen Brodsky and his goddamn clever wordplay. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy for you know being super smart and way better looking than me, and you know. <laughs> being in a band that people like and we get it steven you're cool okay <laughs> i mean let's stop rubbing let's, it in my face he's in two bands that people really like well yeah i mean i i mean yeah you're in <laughs> bands like he's been in actually he's uh, in he's three almost, full time now yeah i i you, just you well, know you add, you know you add the stuff with marissa I nadler that kind of makes four Tannis, this is really hurting me right now. Why are you doing this to me? Power. I've already upset enough. Power. Power. I've got power over you now, you little bitch. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no, I was going to bring something up, and now you made me forget with all our goofing off. Oh, well, um, yeah, the decay of the delay. That's my power. The cleverness. The cleverness. Power. I wanted to have a callback to um, a previous episode of ours. Um, it, it's kind of a, almost a naming, like a 
kind of a meta song title, almost like Abacab was for Genesis. To call back oh, to a previous yeah. uh, episode of ours, and go listen to that Genesis Abacab episode. Well, I will explain in full the reference I am talking about right now. Yes, uh, yes, it's a good one. We had a lot of fun doing it, and if you haven't heard it, you yeah. will. Uh, you're gonna hear a lot of surprise from me. So go check that one out. Go back a few weeks, check that one out. But um, we're talking about Caven's Jupiter, and we're almost done with it. So, John, do you have anything else to say about Decay of the Delay? I do not. Right on. Well, let's move on to the heartfelt and epic closer, New Moon, and hear a little piece of that right about now. I just gave our listeners a little taste of uh, right before that song explodes. So I'm not spoiling that part for you. You need to go listen to this song because it's a big fucking closer. John, how do you feel about New Moon? It's another beautiful tune. Um, Really pretty in the beginning. Really powerful in the end. Um, Yeah. I don't don't have anything else to say about it, but that... I remember when we saw them live, they definitely did not play Requiem, nor did they play New Moon. And I really hope that when I go see Caven in November that I get to hear New Moon. Because I've always had this... Just the way that song ends, I always pictured it live as... Oh, this is so fucking corny, but I've always pictured it live as like me and all the Caven fans, and we all got our arms around each other, and we're swaying back from side to side while he's like... No moon, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> in just the most fucking hippie emo kid fashion we possibly could. And I don't know, this song just makes me feel stuff. It's a perfect closer to this album. It starts off quiet, gets epic and beautiful, and just lulls and quiets back down and just leaves you just feeling great. Feeling like you listen to this whole album and not a second of your time was wasted. Yeah, that, that's true. And also, I like the spaciness. The spaciness? Yes, the space rockiness of Fuck it. You. Fuck you. I, I think that there is no... Uh, to, to put this whole album, to describe it in two words, I would say it's nothing... There's no better way to do it than to just say space rock. Yeah, no, it's, you know? no, it's a total astro jam. <laughs> Uh, for anybody who uh, was not has not listened to the original recording of this episode, which is none of you because there was some technical Zach difficulties and a couple oh. of people from Sonic Deathwall. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then, thanks for making me a liar on top of embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> While I'm trying to embarrass you, hello. <laughs> anyway, there was a lot more talk about how Tannis hates the term space rock. So I have been um, making sure to pepper that in where I can. Yeah. Because I want that to be our new, uh, that's going to be our new catchphrase. <laughs> space rock. Space rock. And yeah. just an angry face of mine next to the train. 
I'm gonna walk into I, I'm gonna walk into a door one day and the, the audience is gonna be hooting and hollering and I'm gonna be like, no time to have a date with these two hot nurses that I wanna hook up with tonight, cause I gotta go listen to some space rock. <laughs> and then the audience will hoot and holler again and I will leave and they'll be like, That kooky neighbor of ours sure is kooky. Wow, this space rock it sure is out of this world. Listen to those lunar licks. That's how you fucking sound right now. Yeah. That's how you fucking sound. A fucking space rock. Are you are you proud of yourself, John? Are you proud? This is how you sound. <laughs> they're not fucking alchemists or alien weaponry where they're writing metal songs about aliens. That's space rock to me. Oh. Get Did you finally the- hear alien weaponry? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I I brought them up during the the uh, neurosis episode. Yes. That was the band. Yeah, I don't like it. I it just sounds like gibberish to me. I I, I it seems like 2018-19's version of woo ah 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 ah. Oh come on, it's not that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're being harsh. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. um, yeah, New Moon, fucking perfect. I love it. It's a great song. It's a perfect closer to an album that i think is 99% perfect but the 1% being that new or i'm sorry uh requiem dragged on just a little bit so i'm not going to be a hypocrite and say 100% because that would mean me going back on my criticism of the one song earlier yeah <laughs> we we get it you don't want to offend anybody okay i, I don't want to offend anybody ever yeah. what do i look like a bill burr to you do, do I look like snap. a Do I look like a David Chappelle? Oh no! Am I am I am I a Joaquin Phoenix and Joker? Oh oh jeez! I, oh, I ain't no I ain't no mailman. I ain't pushing no envelopes. Ah! Oh, uh, all right, I'm tired of this bit. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we have to say about Caven's classic album Jupiter. Unless you have anything else to say, John? I am done i'm done saying anything From after i stop talking i will never talk again <laughs> well except for this next part where uh john i need you to let me and the listeners know what album we're gonna be uh reviewing next <sighs> shit let's just do abacab again yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like it turns out that's my new favorite album of all time. And you know what? It's it's great. Genesis favorite band and book of the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I am picking Black Lives at the Golden Coast by the Icarus line, which came out in 2007. Hell yeah. I spoiler alert. I really like that album, too. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. Spoiler alert, I've never heard it before. <laughs> but you think it's a classic, because you just think Joey Cordemone is so fucking cute on the cover. <laughs> exactly. I, I I think that's a nice name for an album, Black Lives on the Gold Coast. It, uh, it sure sounds like a good time to me. Oh, yeah, and the boy on the cover is so nice. His hair's just going nice and straight. He's wearing a striped shirt with a cute little necklace oh, he, and suit coat. Oh, he looks like a nice young boy. Oh, and, so, and look at these songs. He... Oh, fishing fever! Oh boy, I ah uh, yeah, I love nature she gets too. Paid. Oh, I'm yes. glad. I'm glad she does. She sounds like a nice young lady. Oh, you know, you should probably find yourself a nice young lady. Is there a song called Slayer on here? Well, that sounds devilish to me. 
Oh, yeah, but that band is so good. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, shit. Next, uh... All right, so the next album we review will be the Icarus Line's Black Lives at the Golden Coast. So brush up on that and tune in and download when we review that one in just a couple of weeks. Um, make sure to catch our mini-episode next week and follow us on Twitter at ITIACpod. And, uh... Like our Facebook page, and I think it's a classic. Leave a comment, send a message if you have a suggestion for a review. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, even if you think we're totally fucking idiots. So, anyway, from me, from John, I want to thank you all for listening. <laughs> thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll bid you all a goodbye. Goodbye!